from the Mercy One Studio. Making it personal with Bishop William Johnson on Iowa Catholic Radio and iowacatholicradio.com. Welcome to Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson. I'm Kelly Mesher Collins with the Diocese of Des Moines. On today's show, we're visiting with Holy Cross priest, Father David Guffey, who is the National Director of Family Theater Productions and also the Executive Direct Producer of the new movie, Pray, the Story of Patrick Payton, which was released in theaters and streaming services today. But before we get to our interview, let's find out what's on the Bishop's mind. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning. It's good to be with you. Great uh, thing. Uh, we... Are looking forward to uh, Father Guffey with us, you know, kind of thinking about Father Peyton and the Rosary in this month of Mary, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, all that's devoted to her, encouraging our parishes to to lift up and admit Jesus in the Eucharistic uh, adoration and mm-hmm. sacrament, and to pray for our country as well, just as we did this past Wednesday at the invitation of Archbishop Gomez of Los Angeles, right. the virtual Rosary, and yeah. uh, that's still available on our website. If you didn't do that at two p.m. this past Wednesday, mm-hmm. it's still there, and uh, I think those prayers uh, uh, blend into that whole. Uh, kind of uh, spiritual atmosphere and culture that we're trying to, to promote and advance uh, so well and uh, encouraging parishes to, to have that opportunity for our people in the Diocese of Des Moines and, of course, other dioceses. I'm sure the bishops are also doing that, uh, mm-hmm. our spirit Catholic radio listeners uh, in uh, Nebraska and beyond. Uh, I was in uh, Council Bluffs this past Wednesday, uh, the same day of the Our Lady of the Rosary, mm-hmm. for the announcement of Ann Rowling as president of St. Albert's School. We had a press conference there. Ann is a dynamite candidate for this. She's a longtime member and alum of, of St. Albert's School. She loves the school and had uh, higher education in Notre Dame and Creighton wow. and other places. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, so she brings that perspective. But uh, as a, herself, a religious educator in her parish, mm-hmm. St. Peter's, and uh, I, I think there's just a, a great love, but also a lot of professional and administrative savvy. So I think she's going to bring a, a, a pretty rich toolbox to this position. Awesome. And as she says, mm-hmm. it always focuses on relationships. So it was a great uh, celebratory moment in the in life. First woman president of St. Albert Catholic School. And some would say, well, it's about time you know, for that to happen. <laughs> but uh, we know the Blessed Mother is going to enfold her and, and, uh, uh-huh. and have a special uh, view for her. This past Sunday was the Feast of St. Francis. Obviously, it was the Lord's Day, but uh, always special for us here in the Des Moines Diocese as we now think about 41 years since St. John Paul visited us at the Living History mm-hmm. Farm Mass on the Feast of mm-hmm. St. Francis. Uh, Pope Francis went to Assisi to sign a new uh, encyclical, a new document that is meant to circulate to all the world and the Catholic world, but all people of goodwill, tutti fratelli, mm-hmm. that we're all brothers and sisters in God. And I think it talks about economic and social and political matters, you know, mm-hmm. uh, volatile stuff, but uh, we're, we don't uh, duck our heads or hide our a light under a bushel basket as Christians. Mm-hmm. We engage all segments of society. Mm-hmm. And obviously, uh, the politics is, is where some of these tough decisions and discernment and where the will of the people is expressed and those we choose to uh, stand over us. So as uh, in a, that message, which I have not had the chance to, to really savor and chew on, uh, we're looking to do that. Uh, even my time during the priest's virtual workshop this past week, our priest's did not gather together physically present, but had a virtual workshop mm-hmm. on Sunday night through Wednesday of this week. So there was that connection. But I think the chance to absorb this. We think about our own message from our Iowa province, the four bishops of the dioceses of Iowa, faithful citizenship, and uh, the various 
values and things. We think about the threats not only of the pandemic, but the threat to life. It, mm-hmm. it starts, obviously, at the earliest stages of life with abortion and legal abortion, which in Iowa is a particularly acute concern given the 2018 decision of our Iowa Supreme Court that uh, the Iowa Constitution inscribes a right, mm-hmm. running exactly counter to what uh, an earlier, 100 years ago, the interpretation. And so uh, the whole spectrum of life is obviously before us. That's not to fall prey to moral equivocation or saying you can just simply pick and choose your issues. But, but if each of us endowed by God with conscience where God meets us in the sanctuary of our own heart and mind, uh, that we are all obliged to do that tough discernment there. Obviously, uh, some issues take greater priority, but the things that we held up and our sets of principles and values of human life and dignity and how abortion is a, a profound and grave insult and, and evil against that. But then we also look at all the other range of issues, racism, economic concerns, which impinge so much, I think, upon the decisions that, that women make and, and those who stand mm-hmm. by them. So religious liberty as well. So encouraging our faithful to, to consult that. All right. We're going to take a quick break and a return. We'll welcome Father David Guffey, executive producer of the movie Pray, the story of Patrick Payton. You listen to Making a Personal with Bishop Johnson. Thank you, Blessment International, for their support of Iowa Catholic Radio. Everyone lives their life 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. How we use that time directly affects if our life will leave a significant impact or not. Each year, Blessment International leads Central Iowans on a 12-day, all-inclusive experience sharing the heart of Christ with children in South Africa. Teams are forming to do something significant in an African child's life. Learn more at BlessmentInternational.org. That's BlessmentInternational.org. Thank you, Big Red Q Quick Print, for underwriting the sports report. Family-owned and operated since 1980, Big Red Q Quick Print is a full-service print shop ready to help you with all your printing needs with speed and accuracy. Forms, manuals, brochures, letterhead, envelopes, business cards, custom invitations, design, and bindery. Big Red Q Quick Print, located across from Merle Hay Mall. Online at BigRedQ-DesMoines.com. Big Red Q Quick Print. We make printing easy. Welcome back. I'm Kelly Musher Collins with the Diocese of Des Moines. On today's show, we're visiting with Holy Cross Priest Father David Guffey, the National Director of Family Theater Productions and the executive producer of the new movie Prey, the story of Patrick Payton, which was released in theaters and streaming services today. Today. Wow. All right. Exciting. So hopefully maybe there's some uh, parties or celebrations. So your creative work, <laughs> Father Guffey, thanks for being with us this morning. Uh, thanks you are, so much you, for having me. You are a Holy Cross Priest. Is that correct? I am. Yeah. So is this something your community discerned for you that you would end up working in theater and the arts and things or that kind of your, your own passion kind of evolved? You certainly you've had other ministries uh, along your vocational path. Can you just say uh, the show's called Making It Personal with Bishop Jones and we'd like to hear about you before we talk to talk about Father Peyton. Sure. Well, it was it was a combination. I at growing up, I always loved photography. In fact, even as a high school student, I did freelance photography for newspapers. I grew up in northern northwestern Illinois, oh. and um, so a little tiny farm town. And I worked for the local newspaper. And then in college, when I went to the University of Notre Dame, I did the campus radio station and even took journalism classes. But I fell in love with theology and philosophy, and um, and so that the direction my life took. After I graduated from Notre Dame, I entered the Holy Cross community, and I thought that my life would be about preaching and teaching, and um, and it was for a good part of my early priesthood. Mm-hmm. But I kept noticing the way, just I, I came to the conviction that 
people's hearts and minds were being so shaped by the moving visual image um, of a cinema, film, television, uh, later video. And then the other thing that happened was um, I was really influenced by Pope John Paul II and his call for people in the church to get involved in media. Uh, he really encouraged priests to get involved in media. I heard um, Father Ozika from Salt and Light in Canada give a talk once a long time ago about the Holy Father and his call to media, and that really resonated with me. So I finished uh, uh, eight years of working in religious formation for Holy Cross, two years at Notre Dame, and then six years as novice director. And I well, they really entrusted you then to that novice director's role. That's the, the front line of uh, forming men. So obviously you had a charism there that they identified. Yeah, it was. those were marvelous years. And they were encouraging me to study, and I, um, we discerned that it would, the film production was the way to go. So they, the, my order sent me to film school. I went to Loyola Marymount here in Los Angeles. And after that, uh, after I graduated with my master's in fine arts in film and television production, I started working at Family Theater Productions in 2008. Uh, so, you know, things that I thought I was setting aside uh, to join Holy Cross and to become a priest ended up becoming used in a way that I, I really never expected. <laughs> oh, the Holy Spirit has uh, some marvelous surprises in store. That's tremendous. So I noticed in your, uh, your pedigree some involvement uh, in the Andre House in Phoenix. I, don't, I was just curious. Did you associate with then Father William Wack, who's now Bishop of Pensacola, Tallahassee, at the time? Oh yeah! In fact, um, I'm going to call him. I'm going to call him Bill. I hope. He, no, uh, but I'm sure he appreciates <laughs> Bill. Bill did a summer when Bill was in the seminary. I was director of of this Andre House, which was a center for hospitality. We we gave away free meals, had a job service, gave away clothing, did a variety of social services, and uh, Bill, as a seminarian, spent a summer with me. So we've been friends ever since. And then he was about two directors after me, three directors after me, that he was at Andre House. But he did great work down there and uh, is much beloved there still. Mm. Unique formation for a shepherd of a diocese. Of course, uh, Pope Francis seems to be uh, calling all sorts of men from <laughs> different backgrounds along the way. So uh, you've produced a number of films. Uh, the available people could uh, see you on their favorite streaming service, I'm sure. But it's this most recent one that we're interested in here, and the figure of Father Patrick Payton, who was really kind of a rock star in a way in his own era, if I use that term. But uh, kind of, you know, we think about the immigrant experience and how he came from, from Ireland, very humble experience. Could you just talk about that for us? Sure. Patrick Payton was born in Ireland uh, to a large Catholic family in a rural area, County Mayo, a little village called Adimas. His, his father and mother were farmers. And they worked hard. The whole family worked hard just to get by. Uh, limited opportunities for education. But uh, Father, or then Patrick Payton, dreamt big. Um, he wanted to be a priest when he was a boy, but it just seemed completely out of reach because his family didn't have the money to pay for the schooling. He didn't have the educational background, so he put it aside. It got so bad in Ireland uh, when Father Pat was a teenager that um, he and his older brother felt they had to immigrate to the United States. And so they set sail for the United States. They ended up in Scranton, Pennsylvania. And the reason is they had a sister who already lived there. One sister had, had moved there ahead of them. 
Mm. Pat and Tom thought that they were going to become millionaires. Um, they, they had all these. Well, it's the American dream, right? I mean, doesn't everybody? The streets of <laughs> Manhattan are paved with gold. <laughs> well, that didn't work out so well. They hunted and hunted for jobs, and Tom finally got a job in a coal mine in Scranton. Pat um, couldn't find anything, and he finally got a job at, as a janitor at St. Joseph's Cathedral in Scranton. And it's the hours that he spent in prayer there alone, first to open up in the morning, last to lock up at night, that he really was back in touch with his vocation. And when a group of Holy Cross priests came through giving parish missions, he talked with them and they invited him to join. So he he went to the University of Notre Dame where we had a, a, a high school seminary, and he and his brother, both he and his brother Tom joined, by the way, and he and Tom finished high school, then they finished college, and then they were sent to our theologate, which is at the time was connected with Catholic University in Washington, D.C. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, so the Jesuits didn't get him there in Scranton, right? Because the Jesuits had a footprint in Scranton, I would think, but the, but the Holy Cross Fathers uh, there and saw his potential. Uh, he, he dealt with some health issues, I understand. Is that right? He did. He was sailing along in theology, and about a year before he was supposed to be ordained, he came down with tuberculosis and a, a very severe case of tuberculosis. The community brought him back to our mother house at Notre Dame, and he was, uh, all, they tried all sorts of treatments, and really nothing was working, and he's very near death. They called his family and told them to come and, and visit him for a last time. They told uh, Pat to make his peace with God, and it was really at the end of his rope, and he got a visit from a, an old Holy Cross priest who, who Pat had had as a philosophy professor. His name was Cornelius Haggerty. We called him Con Haggerty. And Father Haggerty said to Father Peyton, you know, you've got a relationship with God. You believe in the Blessed Mother. You're close to her. Turn to her for her help. Ask her. And if you believe she, she'll be as good to you as you believe she'll be. And so he prayed like he never had before uh, through that night. And the next day, he felt physical healing in his body. He, he felt better. It took a while to convince the doctors. He wasn't scheduled for another chest x-ray for a couple of months. But finally, they did the chest x-ray, and the, the tuberculosis was gone. Um, no medical explanation for it. Um, and from that time, it took him a little while to build up strength again, but he was ordained with his brother in his class on time and um, in 1939. And as he's finishing his last years of theology, um, he's looking for a way to repay the Blessed Mother for her goodness to him. He, he knows he'll always have a devotion to her and be close to her in his private prayer, but he wants to give his whole life to her. So he asks himself, what can I do? What, what does the world need? How can I bring the Blessed Mother and, and her connection with her son, Jesus Christ, to the world? What he comes up with came really from his own experiences, his own, his own family. His own family prayed the rosary every night. They knelt on the, the floor of the the kitchen in their little cottage in Ireland, and they prayed the rosary every night. And that had, had forged a bond with them that was so close. And not only forged a bond among the members of the family, but forged a bond with each of the members of the family with Jesus Christ. So as a very young priest, two or so three years So it wasn't ordained, as though they were like the family was praying the rosary and, and uh, with some memories of myself, at least we had the padded carpet in the living room that we could live <laughs> on there. <laughs> and, uh, and, and many times we were very invested in it. Sometimes we were invested in getting through it as well. So. Sure. 
But, uh, you know, and we think about, you know, the God sparing him of the miraculous healing that was tendered to him. Whereas, you know, St. Therese, whom we celebrate at the beginning of the month, you know, who died of tuberculosis, you know, she perished. But how God's wisdom and, and mission is, is uh, allotted as, as God's will ordains. And so here's one who was brought back from the brink of the, of the grave and, and felt himself, uh, for some reason, spared uh, and was discerning his mission, as you've been describing. Yes. God wasn't through with him on this earth yet. And he was keenly aware of the gift that he had been given. And so he, as a young priest, starts a family rosary crusade. He, write, he, had, he, he got permission from his Holy Cross superiors to write every bishop in the country. He got incredible support from bishops, and he, he started the whole thing. He, at the time— That, he that was, alone uh, is remarkable, right? To <laughs> get the bishops yeah, united on something. <laughs> it is. It, I look back, and I, I know, that, I know the, 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 the forms of obedience we had in our community at the time. It's really remarkable that they gave him as much— latitude as they did, uh, but they must have seen in him, you know, incredible potential and, and incredible giftedness. And uh, so they, you know, he was always in communication and, and worked in collaboration. Many other Holy Cross people ended up working with his, him in his ministry, but uh, he did pretty amazing things for a young priest. And so it just kind of took off there, and then it, uh, the people of God uh, received and were enlivened and act, you know, inspired by his own example and his message. And so he began traveling a lot, uh, seemingly landing in California, though, as kind of his base of his ministry. Is that right? Well, he al- he always had um, two bases. He was One was in Albany, New York, and the other was Los Angeles. And really the media work started. Um, he In Albany, there was the Sisters of St. Joseph had a little college called the, the College of St. Rose, they had an hour on a local radio station, and they offered it to Father Peyton. This would have been about 42, 43. And uh, it was wildly popular, and Father Peyton realized this is the way to get to people's homes and hearts. And so he was trying to find a way to do a national radio show. And he talked with all sorts of people, including uh, Bishop Fulton Sheen, uh, who had a radio show at the time. And the two of them talked, and Bishop Sheen was a great mentor to Father Peyton. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Finally, he, he got an appointment with the Mutual Broadcasting System, which was the second largest radio network at the time. You know, this shy, he, he, the other kind of odd thing is Father Payton was really kind of shy, except when it, it had to do anything to do with mission. Well, so he gets this appointment with the Mutual Network, and they say, all right, we'll give you the time uh, to do a radio show, but you have to have a big star, you have to have a great orchestra, you have to have music. And, and Father Payton said, well, who's the biggest star? And they said, Bing Crosby. And he said, all right. So on Good Friday of 1945, Father Peyton cold calls Bing Crosby at his home in Beverly Hills. Uh, I don't know how he got his number. But, uh, <laughs> just Call security. There's a guy posing as a priest out outside the Never gate. Never happened today. <laughs> no well, and Bing Crosby says, I'd love to do it. Let me check with my agent. Usually that's the way that you blow somebody off, you know, just to get rid of them. <laughs> But he called back on Easter Monday and said, I'll do it. Hmm. So Father Payne's first radio show was on Mother's Day, which was May 13th, which, of course, is the, the day of the first Fatima. vision of Fatima. Yeah. It was also the first Sunday after the armistice was signed, ending the war in Europe. So the show had incredible impact. And after that, he just wanted to do it every week. And they told him, well, to do that, you really should go to California. So he came to California, got the permission 
first thing he did is he went to see the archbishop and got permission of the archbishop to be there to do his work, and then started talking with pastors and found Catholics who were involved in the industry, and started with writers and producers, and then started talking with actors, and he ended up getting A-list actors to do this radio show that was on the mutual broadcasting system. Each, each show was a radio play that had a little play about a family and how prayer or faith was part of, part of their story. And would he have a hand in composing the scripts for that, or would that be uh, in the early Hollywood writers? Oh, he he hired great writers, but he had he had a hand in the production, the selection of the writers. Um, He was pretty hands on, especially in the early years. Uh, But the first show had Loretta Young, Donna Michi, and Jimmy Stewart, and um, through the years, you know, people like Bob Hope and Gregory Peck and Ethel Barrymore and um, Natalie Wood, all, all these A-list stars were on his show. The show ran on the Mutual Network from 1947 to 1968. So it, which, which, it lasted that itself is remarkable, wow. that longevity. Yeah, Holy cow. The shows, we remastered the shows, and they're still available. There's, there's uh, radio stations around the country that still play. So going from black and white to, to, to color, and the radio show, obviously. Uh, the whole, yeah. yeah. Excuse me. <laughs> Well, Whoops! Well, that, <laughs> more caffeine, Bishop. Yeah, right. <laughs> but the kind of a Catholic star chamber as well. And uh, so you know, you think about you know Billy Graham and his great worldwide crusades, and yet Father Peyton he he rivals him in the kind of crowds and things that he was able to draw as he traveled around the world. Yeah, you know he he was he was getting called to do parish missions. He called them Truduans. He'd do a three day parish mission, and he was doing them all over the country. Uh, the radio show increased his demand for his time. And finally, there was a bishop in, in London, Ontario, in Canada, that said, let's just, let's, let's do something big outdoors. So they, that was the, the first big outdoor rosary rally. And after that, they just started, they, they, they started popping up all over the, the country and, and, and the United States and Canada, and then all over the world. Tremendous. Like, and, we're going to push the pause button, Father Guffey, but if you'd hang sure. with us, we'll come back after the break. We're going to take Wonderful. a quick break. You're listening to Making It Personal, Bishop Johnson. Thank you, Blessment International, for their support of Iowa Catholic Radio. Everyone lives their life 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. How we use that time directly affects if our life will leave a significant impact or not. Each year, Blessment International leads Central Iowans on a 12-day, all-inclusive experience sharing the heart of Christ with children in South Africa. Teams are forming to do something significant in an African child's life. Learn more at blessmentinternational.org. That's blessmentinternational.org. Thank you, Big Red Q Quick Print, for underwriting the sports report. Family-owned and operated since 1980, Big Red Q Quick Print is a full-service print shop ready to help you with all your printing needs with speed and accuracy. Forms, manuals, brochures, letterhead, envelopes, business cards, custom invitations, design, and bindery. Big Red Q Quick Print, located across from Merle Hay Mall. Online at BigRedQ-DesMoines.com. Big Red Q Quick Print. We make printing easy. Welcome back. I'm Kelly Mesher Collins, the Diocese of Des Moines. You're listening to Making a Personal with Bishop Johnson. We are back with Father David Guffey, who is the executive producer of the new movie, Pray, the Story of Patrick Payton. So I, I never knew the, the provenance of that phrase, the family that prays together stays together, but uh, Father Payton should be credited in that. And then the, the very uh, theater production that uh, he helped found, you're kind of his successor in that regard. Is that right? I am. I, 
I work out of the, the same office that Father Peyton worked out of. Oh. Oh. So is this kind of a personal tribute uh, work, a labor of love for you to produce this film? It was. Um, there had been a couple of other documentaries that had been made about Father Peyton, um, mainly focusing on his work and a lot of focus on his work in Hollywood, which is really interesting and fun. When I first started at Family Theater, I discovered a room full of tape and even like old big recording discs and every sort of film and video. A lot of it were programs that Father Peyton made. Father Peyton made over a thousand radio and television shows during his lifetime. But much of what was there was interviews, footage from the big rosary rallies, other things with Father Peyton talking that really nobody had seen. So we had them digitized. And as I was doing that, mainly for archival purposes, but as we were doing that, this, the message seemed so contemporary. His appeal to fathers and mothers to bring prayer into their home, to bring the Blessed Mother into their home, seemed so contemporary that we felt that it, was, it would be great to introduce a new generation to this man and his message. So we brought on an incredible storyteller, a woman of, of great faith named Megan Harrington. And Megan Harrington worked with our team, and we brought some other people in to tell the story of Father Peyton. But really, we also in the film wanted to feature families who'd taken the message of, of Father Peyton to heart. So there's one family that knew him while he was alive and had experienced you know, great graces through that. But there are three families in the film that talk about their own experience of family prayer and what it's meant to them. And I think the, the stories of the families combined with the story of Father Peyton really makes for a powerful film and a great tribute to Father Peyton. It all, at the same time that all this is happening, his, uh, his, Father Peyton's cause is advancing. Um, the, the, the final, all the documentation for his case was presented uh, to Rome. Uh, the Positio, which is the summary of, of all of his life, his work, his writing, was presented. And so he was declared venerable in 2018. And um, we get letters and calls all the time uh, and emails from people who uh, prayed for the intercession of Father Peyton and who have experienced comfort and healing. Uh, there are two cases that have been uh, investigated on a diocesan level that are now being investigated by the Congregation for Saints as, as potential miracles. So um, we, could, um, we could have a new official saint uh, too. So we're hoping that this will help people get to know him as, as perhaps um, by the will of God, um, his, his case moves forward. Amen, Father. That would make our hearts swell to, to have that happen. So, and as we think about saints, uh, oftentimes some of their suffering is not outside the church from forces that might resist them, but within the church. So obviously this is a very humble priest that he never let it go to his head. You know, he didn't become this kind of mega evangelist. We sometimes wait for the other shoe to drop and the rest of the story, but here's one who incredibly lived a life of holiness there. But was there any particular form of suffering that he encountered other than the tuberculosis early in his life? Um, the tuberculosis early in his life, and then he was never really very healthy, especially after the 1960s. Uh, the 1950s and 60s were, were really the heyday of his rallies. He had rallies of a million people in Sao Paulo and 1.2 million people in Rio. Um, so he's going all over the world, and he wears himself out. So he has heart trouble. He's, he's got a, quite a bit of illness in, in the early 1970s that lays him up for a couple of years. He's still passionate about the cause. Um, he does some media projects. Uh, and then the other thing is just the world changed. The mm. churches um, 
public devotional lives changed. Um, Vatican II encouraged us to turn to Scripture and the sacraments, especially the Eucharist, which is wonderful, but the rosary wasn't playing as the same kind of role it did in the life of parishes and in the life of public events as it had before. And so Father Peyton had to adjust to that as well. Oh. Um, Father, well, we're approaching the end of our life. time here, but uh, certainly appreciate this. And maybe uh, the uh, uh, release today, pray the story of Patrick Payton. Uh, may it help to revive the love for the rosary and its role and central to drawing us close to Jesus with Mary's intercession. God bless your ministry and, and continue to anoint all that you're about as a, kind of a, the, the torchbearer of using the mass media to, to evangelize and carry the gospel to others. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Bishop. This has been another edition of Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson. Thank you to our list and all of our guests. You can hear Making It Personal with Bishop William Johnson every week on Iowa Catholic Radio and iowacatholicradio.com.